Spidey battles Cobra, Mr. Hyde, and the Vulture while making a tough decision about whether to continue on in grad school. We'll tell you all about it as we look at Essential Amazing Spider-Man Volume 11 straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Volume 11 was the last of the black and white reprint uh, Marvel Essential lines for The Amazing Spider-Man. So we'll cover most of the issues in that book, and I'll tell you about those that we won't, but we'll be covering on a future program. This book collects Amazing Spider-Man issues 232 to 248 and annuals 16 and 17. Uh, the book begins with uh, Cobra and Mr. Hyde appearing as the villains in issues 232 to 233. They were originally two Thor villains, uh, but they really work well here in Spider-Man. And the way that they are introduced is that the first issue is just all Spider-Man dealing with Cobra. And then Mr. Hot appears determined to get at Cobra because he has a grudge against his ex-partner. It's a pretty solid supervillain battle featuring uh, two villains from another character, and it works pretty well. Uh, then we get into the Brand Corporation saga, which happens over issues 234 to 236 and involves the super powerful Will of the Wisp. And you also get the Tarantula into the mix. The stakes are not particularly high, but it's a good uh, story where there's just enough ingredients used with uh, mad science, the question of justice versus revenge, and uh, a guest villain and a character in Will of the Wisp whose morality is a little bit more gray than Spider-Man. So it's a really well-balanced uh, tale, and uh, it's a nice read. And I believe that there were several issues that kind of uh, set the groundwork for this as well. Issue number 237 is all about Stiltman. In this case, uh, Wilbur Day, uh, a character who has been a bit of a joke in uh, the comics, and certainly in comic fandom, as uh, he's just really upset about how his life has gone and uh, tries to make yet another comeback, and, of course, he runs into Spider-Man. This is a pretty good character piece, taking a character who hadn't gotten much play over the years and uh, really making him interesting. This type of thing is done a lot today. You see it like with Tom King's uh, take on uh, Kite Man, but wasn't as common back then. And so this was pretty innovative and it worked out fairly well. Now we come to the annual, uh, which served to introduce a new uh, uh, Captain Marvel. And it reminds me of, if, if you've ever seen a TV show, say, from the 1960s and 70s, 
Oftentimes, uh, the TV show will air an episode that's uh, billed as an episode of this particular show, but is actually a backdoor pilot for another show. And, you know, I can think of examples of that with Star Trek in Season 2, airing the episode Assignment Earth, which was a backdoor pilot for that series. And uh, the series Green Acres ended with an episode which was actually a backdoor pilot for another completely different type of series. And so this uh, book feels very much like this. The story is about Monica Rambeau and how uh, she got her powers uh, in a, you know, fairly uh, unlikely way, but certainly not for the Marvel Universe. And uh, she's actually come to New York to get help controlling her powers. And she goes to the, the Fantastic Four. And unfortunately for her, uh, Reed and Sue Richards are out at Martha's Vineyard and then goes over to the Avengers. Spider-Man sees her and assumes that she's up to no good and actually intervenes and nearly blows up the Avengers headquarters, uh, if not for some fast thinking by Iron Man and some later fast thinking by him. This is an okay story. I think Monica Rambeau was a perfectly fine character. I think uh, her character really did not catch on as well, even though she was in a lot of comics. And I think it may just have been that it was too soon since the death of the original Captain Marvel to be introducing a new character. Of course, Carol Danvers would uh, carry that banner on. And it may have helped, too, if Monica Rambeau had uh, had some uh, previous status in the Marvel Universe before putting her on the Avengers and giving her that title. After that, we get to issues 238 and 239. And I won't be covering those or 244 uh, to 245 because those are the Hobgoblin issues. And I'm not discuss- not discussing them because I don't like them. In fact, I think they're probably the best uh, issues in the book. However, the book really did end on a bit of an awkward uh, state where it ends with issue 248. I really think it should have ended with issue 251. It was just a shade over 500 pages, so I think it could have managed that. And if it had ended on 251, you would have gotten the next three issues, which were uh, further Hobgoblin stories, and also ended with the lead-up to uh, Secret Wars. And that, I think, would have been the perfect place to end on. But they didn't end there, so I'm going to discuss 238 to 239 and 244 to 245, along with those other three issues when we talk about uh, Hobgoblin Origins uh, in uh, probably about a week. So we'll hold off on those for now um, and come back to them. So then uh, moving on, we have issues 240 to 241, which has the Vulture returning. And he actually was not of a mind to return after uh, Spider-Man beat him in uh, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. 
But uh, he's returning because uh, the man who is responsible for ruining his life is about to claim a great success, and he wants to have his vengeance. And this also gives us the origin story of the vulture, which is a pretty decent origin, and a nice example of writer Roger Stern filling in the uh, gaps in Spider-Man history. Issues 242 and 43 are a lot more personally focused than they are uh, uh, focused on any battle. There's a battle with the Mad Thinker, but this is really kind of secondary to what's going on in Peter's life. Powell, the uh, girlfriend of Lance Bannon, has set her sights on Peter, even though she's uh, still with Lance because they're agreed that they can see other people. And this is really an attempt to make her boyfriend, Lance Bannon, jealous. He invites Amy to his place, and unbeknownst to her, also invites Lance so the two can talk things out. However, left alone with Peter, Amy kisses him, and at that point, Mary Jane Watson comes in, and that's the end to issue 242. Issue 243 picks up where issue 242 left. Uh, left off with uh, everybody kind of excusing themselves. Mary Jane had just come back in town. In the comics at this point, Peter had proposed to her uh, back about 60 issues previously, but she had declined. Actually, at this point, the major romance in Peter's life was not actually being regularly covered in Amazing Spider-Man. It was the uh, relationship with the Black Cat, who had returned in the pages of Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, and really she was just making cameos in this book. Uh, But this is one of the uh, issues that came up. Uh, And Options is the title of the story in issue 242, and Peter has to make a decision, having uh, passed his first year of graduate school, despite many warnings and people being upset about him skipping classes. However, he has to decide what he's going to do with his life and whether he's going to continue on with grad school and how hard it's going to be for him to be Spider-Man. And he goes back and forth, but he eventually ends up deciding to drop out. And it's an understandable decision. It's in many ways a loss for the character, but it does show Roger Storm really taking seriously you know, the circumstances of grad school and what that would mean for being Spider-Man if you're going to portray that realistically. But it's a solid uh, character-based issue. Um, issue 246, again, skipping over 244 to 245, we'll discuss uh, in another couple shows, is The Daydreamers. And this one is kind of a fun one, a little weird and a bit light, as it takes a look at what people's uh, daydreams are. And most of them are what you would expect. And so, not particularly interesting, uh, it does a fairly good job of showing you uh, these scenarios. Probably the one that was the most interesting was the Black Cats. Uh, Her particular uh, fantasy uh, involved uh, S- Spider-Man and her going on an adventure, 
at this point she'd been in the hospital for quite a spell and uh, she learned uh, Spider-Man's true identity and found out that Spider-Man was really a very young-looking Cary Grant. And it does speak to the sort of expectation and sense of romance that uh, she attaches to the relationship and would play into events, I think, later in her uh, character journey. Uh, issues 247 and 248... Um, you can kind of divide into two. Uh, the f- first is about an issue and a half paint by the numbers crime story where Peter ends up battling uh, supervillains Thunderball. It's not all that impressive, but what is impressive comes in the second half of issue 248. And uh, this one is the famous The Kid Who Collected Spider Man, where Spotty goes to a uh, room where a kid is and uh, answers all of his questions and tells him about being Spider-Man. In many ways, it does feel like it's a re- just a recapping of the origin story at first until you get to the twist reveal about the kid. Um, I wouldn't say that this was unpredictable, but it definitely did have some emotional power uh, even all these years later. Uh, then we get to annual number 17, and this one is entitled Heroes and Villains. And it's essentially a very solid uh, crime story uh, in which a comedian who was in Peter's graduating class is being blackmailed or having written for a smut peddler uh, previously. This is a solid uh, crime story for the most part. Uh, it involves blackmail, the kingpin figures in there, and uh, it also covers how people change. The ending in which it's revealed that the comedian is really concerned that Peter was uh, trying to sell a story to the paper gets told off by Peter for being so uh, cynical and for assuming that Peter was just out there for a story. I think that Peter's response does come off as a little bit self-righteous, and so that kind of undermines the, I'm just trying to be a kind person, unlike dirty, rotten, selfish person like you. It's just an odd attitude doesn't work all that well. Overall, I think these are good books, I think they may be slightly overrated because many will say that uh, Roger Stern is in the same league as Stan Lee. And I don't feel that the books are quite that good. But uh, even if they're overrated, they're still uh, understandably fan favorites with good art by John Romita. And the writing works here for the most part. I think that Roger Stern does a lot of character-based writing. He does think about the consequences of some actions and what the ramifications would be for a character who had these sort of things going on. So overall, I think that the book, particularly with the Hobgoblin issues, which we're going to cover uh, in about a week, uh, really does deserve a rating of classy. All right, well, that's all for now. If you do have a comment, email to me, classycomicsguy at gmail.com. 
Follow me on Twitter at ClassyComicsGuy and check out the website ClassyComicsGuy.com. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.